Our scripture reading for today comes from 1 John 1, verses 1 through 10. You can find this on page 1021 in the Bibles in your pews. 1 John 1, 1 through 10. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Amen. Please turn your Bibles to uh, Mark chapter 3. I'm going to briefly go at verse 3, uh, 21, then I'll go to Mark 31, 331. It's on page 838 in the Bibles in the pews. And as others have said, I'm ruling elder Mark Daynert, and it's been a practice here at Christ Church of Arlington for ruling elders to occasionally preach a sermon or exposition. It's also important, I believe, because it gives the session in the congregation a greater appreciation for the difficult, uh, challenging, yet fulfilling, important work our teaching elders do each week as they prepare for our sermons. And if you might wonder why your pastor might seem a little tired some days, it just might be because he woke up in the middle of the night to get some helpful sermon insights like has happened to Pastor Billy and happened to me this week. Reviewing Christ Church of Arlington's history during this, our 40th year, Jim Hutchins was our first pastor at our founding as a particular church on Sunday, July 31st, 1983, followed by Brian Webster called in 2005, Billy Boyce in 2012 becoming lead in 2020, and Jimmy Choi coming in 2019. When now Pastor Emeritus Brian Webster first came to be our pastor, one thing that struck me was that Brian called me brother, and he did so in much love. In the church I grew up in, and the church my wife and I were members before coming here, I don't recall having heard members calling each other brother and sister. How about you? So we'll study a passage about being Christ's brothers and sisters. It's also been very convicting as I've studied the scripture And it's hard, especially being more of an introvert, as I'm sure some of you are. At times, I'd rather be a quiet wallflower like the ones behind me instead of getting or giving a holy kiss in today's culture, a handshake or a hug, or loving one another with brotherly or sisterly affection. In my single days, I know part of me would prefer to sit alone in the church pew while the other part of me was yearning for brotherly or sisterly affection. 
And even today, I often forget to make an effort to have Miriam and I look around to see if our singles are sitting with someone. I also just finished reading Tim Keller's book, Preaching, Communicating Faith in an Age of Skepticism, to help with sermons. One thing Keller highlights in a chapter on communicating the gospel to our modern culture is how people believe we are our own authority, believe human reason uh, can solve what ails us, and also believe psychology and medicine will solve our physical and emotional problems, and spiritual resources are not needed. As a result, and I think all this combined with things like pride, embarrassment, and even just busyness, makes it that so many of us don't always share with each other truly as brothers and sisters who rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. By the way, to act as brothers and sisters in Christ, one other practice Pastor Brian taught me I'll share with you was in drafting an email to always try to begin with something positive. Now in your Bibles at Mark chapter 3, verses 20 and 21, we read that he, Jesus, went home. Uh, Mark 2, 1 tells us he was now living in Capernaum, a town on the north shore of the Sea of Galilee. And the crowd gathered again so that they could not even eat. And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him, for they were saying, he is out of his mind. Now Jesus came into Galilee preaching, proclaiming the gospel of God, and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. He called his first disciples to follow him and become fishers of men. Jesus has been doing other things like healing and forgiving sins, even on the Sabbath. And unclean spirits were seeing him and crying out, you are the son of God. Some in the synagogue said he was blaspheming, asking who can forgive sins but God alone. And at Mark 3.22, we read that his work even came to the attention of the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem. That's headquarters. In the military and government, we know it's not good when someone from headquarters comes out to visit. And so the members of Jesus' fam- earthly family, his mother, half-brothers and sisters, instead of being discipled at Jesus' feet, think he's out of his mind because of all that's been happening. Conflict, conflict, factions, divisiveness. Mark features three main groups of people, the disciples, the crowds, and the religious leaders none of whom understood Jesus. Besides his opponents, Jesus now also must contend with unbelieving family members. Now my sermon passage, Mark 3, verses 31 to 35. Let us hear the word of the Lord, and as Pastor Lincoln Duncan says, even as I read it, Lord, please write its eternal truth upon all our hearts. And his mother and his brothers came, and standing outside, they sent to him and called him, And a crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, Your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And he answered them, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. This is the word of the Lord. Dear Lord, our Heavenly Father, In the name of your Son, Jesus, we thank you for this passage. By the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, please help me to speak your word clearly and allow all parts of our church and others listening to hear, understand, and act upon your word. Amen. 
Living in Fractiousness and Opposition, my first point in the outline. I chose the word fractiousness because it reflects the circumstances Jesus and those closest to him were facing when in verse 34, he looked at those about, who sat around him and said, here are my brother, my mother, and my brothers. People, even his own family in verses 31 to 32, tending to be troublesome, opponents, some quarrelsome, irritable. Or just the fact that his family was outside standing and not inside sitting at the Lord's feet, listening to his teaching. And like Jesus' earthly family, at times our minds wander outside instead of being inside and attentive, listening to the teaching. This fractiousness and opposition can also reflect us too in the church and in our society, in our sinful state. We too fall into factions, respecters of persons, divisive, impatient, boastful, arrogant, rude, insist on our own way, irritable or resentful, judgmental, rejoice at wrongdoing. In an article about brothers dwelling in unity during the time of the COVID-19 pandemic, a disputed 2020 election, racial tensions, accusations hurled on social media, and a polarized United States, in reply to being asked, Pastor David Silverman, who recently preached here, said it was the hardest in his 30 years of pastoral ministry, leaving him mentally drained and emotionally exhausted for such an extended period of time. There are other societal problems. Last month, the United States Surgeon General released a report calling attention to the public health crisis of loneliness, isolation, and lack of connection in our country. Now, at the time in Jewish history, the biological family was of great importance, and bonds between siblings were closest. So for Jesus in verses 34 to 35 to ask about who his mother and brothers and sisters were and to say it was those who sat around him and whoever does the will of God, it seems he was challenging them, making them reorient their thinking. He wanted them to act differently. He wanted to change hearts. He also wanted to show his love and mercy. He wants us to act differently too. Now because Jesus was sinless, he wouldn't disobey the fifth commandment to uh, honor your mother and father. So he wasn't rejecting his mother and father, family rather. He is telling them and us the priority of, his, of the followers of Jesus' community of faith as like the core family of God. The Reformation Study Bible says it well. The arrival of the kingdom of God changes human relationships. Those who oppose his progress, whether mothers or brothers, must be left behind. Those in the kingdom become a person's closest associates, near and dear than any others. Exercise. Okay, as an engineer in past sermons, I brought in things like a big battery to show the, uh, represent the power of the Holy Spirit. But today I'm going to ask you, the congregation, to help me illustrate. Pastor Billy has spoken in the past about dozing off, maybe not this time, because I want you to do like Jesus did in verse 34. Look around at your brothers and sisters. Turn your heads a bit and look around. With love, a smile, warmly greet them. You might even see someone sitting alone and want to move next to them. I'm at the second point, being united as Christ's brothers and sisters. My sub-point number one, how do we become brothers and sisters in Christ? When Jesus is Lord, having power or authority, and he says in verses 34 and 35, whoever does the will of my 
of God is my brother and sister and mother. He is making it so, an example also of the will of God. It's the result of Christ's saving work, and he is doing it for our good because he loves us. We become brothers and sisters in the derived sense of being part of God's family, that all Christians, as God's children, are his adopted sons and heirs, and it is by his grace. The way I looked at it, it seems that being adopted sons and daughters of God focuses on a vertical relationship with God, while being brothers and sisters is a horizontal relationship with each other. And Jesus does both, brother, friend, with us, by the Spirit, God, Lord. Shorter Catechism, question and answer 34. Adoption is the act of God's free grace by which we become his sons with all the rights and privileges of being his. It is part of regeneration. The spiritual change brought about in our lives by an act of God as our sinful nature is changed and we are enabled to respond to God in faith. In the book of Romans, chapter 8, we read, it's by the power of the Holy Spirit and our yielding to the Spirit. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoptions as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God and of children and heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. And in Galatians 3, the Lord tells us it is by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. As we confess in our confession of faith, and as Steve read in 1 John 1, if Christians are united to Jesus Christ by his spirit and by faith have fellowship with him, Christ who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, by Christ we are united to one another in love. The ESV commentary notes the gospel message binds together those who receive it in fellowship, but the purpose is still richer than mere human fellowship, for believer's fellowship is with the Father and with his Son. Such fellowship is personal communion with the Father made possible by the mediation or intervention of the Son. And we are enabled to act as well as brothers and sisters in Christ by sanctification, the work of God's free grace, of which, uh, of which our whole person is made new in the image of God, and we are made more and more able to become de de dead to sin and alive to righteousness. There's plenty of precedent to call each other brother and sister. By the way, the term brothers, Adelphi, was often used in Greek to refer to both men and women. Every book of the New Testament, ESV, uses the word brother, except Titus, 2 John, and Jude. However, these three books don't bypass the core. Of Titus, Paul calls him my true child in common faith. Second John was addressed to the elect lady and her children, perhaps the local congregation, the lady being the church and her children the members, and focuses on Christian hospitality. Jude is addressed to those who are called beloved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ. We also find in the New Testament ESV the word fellow, where we see fellow worker, prisoner, servant, soldier, and elder. In some of these cases, it's a Greek synergos being a companion in or doing something together with. 
In Hebrews 2, Christ looks at the people of his church and is not ashamed to call them brothers. Here is another incredible fact from our text. Look again at verses 34 and 35. Jesus uses the word my when he refers to his brothers and sisters. It's the Greek word mu, meaning my. Jesus says he is my brother and sister and mother. So all of you, all of us who are followers of Jesus Christ can say he is my brother. We have as our older, our bigger brother, the human divine son of God, the son of man has power, authority to unearth to forgive sin. Messiah, the son of David, Jesus is Lord, perfect revelation of the Father to the human race. Teacher with a capital T. He himself has suffered when tempted. He is able to help those who are being tempted. The great high priest who intercedes for his people at the right hand of God, who freed us from our sins by his blood. What an incredible act of God's grace. Amen is a solemn word by which a person confirms something. Yes, you can all say amen. When we later observe the Lord's Supper in remembrance of Christ, you can also remember him as brother. If you are not a follower of Jesus Christ, if the Lord puts on your heart to have such a wonderful brother, please contact one of the pastors after the service. Or if you're watching by video, call the church at 703-527-0420 to leave us a message for a pastor to call you. The visible church consists of all who make a profession of their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ together with their children. So remember, our brothers and sisters in Christ include those in other churches, those who are both poor in the world and those in fine clothing, and those from every nation, from all tribes, i.e. races or clans, and peoples and languages, because the Lord tells us in the book of Revelation, we will all be standing before the throne and before the Lamb. I also want to point out that some of you uh, may have or know of abuse of brothers or sisters in families or even in churches. Jesus does not condone this and says in Mark 7 that things such as sexual immorality and wickedness are evil. As a church and in the theme of being loving brothers and sisters in Christ, we can offer things recommended in our Presbyterian Church in America PCA report on domestic abuse and sexual assault. It says, it says things survivors of sexual abuse need from the church include a place for a significant sense of belonging, to be pursued lovingly as suffering people, to be offered hope without condemnation, for us to be listeners, and to know that Jesus himself is at the right hand of the Father interceding for us all. My sub-point two, why do we become brothers and sisters in Christ? First, as part of God's plan, we read in verse 35, it's tied to doing the will of God. Second, there is an inward sense within the church to one another to be his people. We need one another. Family is the central way of thinking about the church in the New Testament. There are many different lines of, of teaching in scripture that blend into the church Christ loved the church, says Paul, and gave himself for the church, Ephesians 5.25. In the Lord's Supper that will follow, when we take the elements, we recite, but together belong to Christ, and in Christ belong to one another. Billy also illustrated this in his sermon last Sunday, when he was alone and with others, and said he felt, he felt most loved by God when with God's people. 
And when he read to the congregation the book of our church order question for baptism, the congregation agreed to undertake the responsibility of assisting the parents in the Christian nurture of the children. We need one another. Pastor Sinclair Ferguson writes, to think that I would say I don't, my, I don't need my family even at the ordinary human level would be appalling. When we think of what it has cost God to create this new family, to say I don't need to belong to the family of God, I don't need this, the friendship, I don't need the ministry, seems to be like spinning in God's face. We also need one another as brothers and sisters to help one another given the challenges we face in this world, like persecution. 2 Timothy 3.12 tells us, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Our deacons promote sympathy and service after the example of the Lord Jesus. It, is express, it expresses also the communion of saints, especially in their helping one another in time of need. There will be times when one or more of us will, will be in need, sick, friendless, and in distress. We encourage one another. Hebrews 10.24, And let us consider how to stir one other up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Third, there is an outward sense to be Christ's witnesses. John 17 demonstrates how important it is to God that his church be united in its purpose and mission. This unity reflects the oneness of the Father and the Son. And Jesus said that the oneness of the church is one proof of the, to the world that he came from our Father. John 17, 20 and 21. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they may be also in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. We pray for hearts, our hearts to be compelled by Christ's mission, a mission for people to be saved. And again, for any visitors here, we welcome you, regardless of your walk with the Lord. Okay. An opportunity to stretch our necks again. Jesus, verse 34. After the benediction, look around at your brothers and sisters. This time, think of them as brothers and sisters and maybe decide to walk over and get to know someone's name you don't know. The last point in my sermon, doing the will of God, being in brothers and sisters, is some thoughts from Scripture putting into practice what we read in verse 35. The Lord's Prayer, the third petition, uh, speaks of God's will. <laughs> the ESV commentary says it means God's revealed will, which involves conduct that is pleasing to him as revealed in Scripture. Pleasing conduct centers around love. Jesus tells us in John 13, 35, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Believers are exhorted to be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, Romans 12, to let brotherly love continue, Hebrew 13, to love the brotherhood and to love his brothers, 1 Peter 2 and 3. And one of the themes of Mark is Jesus calls his followers to imitate him in humble service, self-denial, and suffering. Christ's love is motivated by... Uh, 
Christian love is motivated by Christ's sacrificial love to us. We love because he first loved us. The will of God means repenting of our sin, embracing, embracing Christ by faith, and obeying God's commands to a walk of faithfulness and holiness. Jesus' love is forgiving others 77 times, so we are to be forgiving. So I'll finish my third point with some examples of loving one another and some examples of dealing with conflict and sin. It was hard to find good books on the subject of being brothers and sisters. Author Megan Hill, wife of a PCA pastor, wrote a book, A Place to Belong, Learning to Love the Local Church, that I found helpful and scriptural. I, bought, I brought two copies for me from the PCA bookstore in Atlanta, and uh, they're out in the lobby unless somebody's already taken them. Megan points out, based on the teachings of Paul and James, in the church, affection is not reserved for someone we especially like. It is also not withheld from someone we find awkward or difficult. We don't exp express affection only for the people of our choosing. We express affection for the people of God's covenant choosing. We greet, we greet all the brothers with a holy kiss, 1 Thessalonians 5.26. In loving one another, in obedience to the Lord's commands, he writes, we express our affection visibly and tangibly. We learn each other's names. 3 John 15, peace be, peace be to you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends, each by name. And find out their interests, too. The book continues with a great list to help us as the Lord sanctifies us. I'm just going to quote her because everything is said so, 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 so well and succinctly. As brothers and sisters in the Lord, we should encourage one another's spiritual maturity, colon, build up one another, 1 Thessalonians 5, admonish one another, Colossians 3, lovingly speak truth to one another, Ephesians 4, speak to one another in song, Ephesians 5. Exhort one another, or as the ESV commentary says, to call on the church to walk together in mutual encouragement, Hebrews 3. Stir up one another to love and good works, Hebrews 10, and pray for one another, James 5. As members of the same family, we should meet one another's temporal needs. Care for one another, 1 Corinthians 12. Serve one another, Galatians 5. Bear one another's burdens, Galatians. Comfort one another, 2 Corinthians 13. And show hospitality to one another, 1 Peter. As those whom Christ brought into his family by his own blood, we should respond to one another with love. Forgive one another, Colossians 3. Be patient with one another, Ephesians 4. Submit to others according to the authority and order established by God, Ephesians 5, and confess sin to one another, James 5. Some of this stuff is hard, isn't it? But again, the Lord helps us as he sanctifies us, encourages us. We're all going to fail. We're all going to have our times when we don't do this well, and that's why we need one another, and we need the Lord. As those who, who belong to one another... Our brothers and sisters' joys and sorrows should actually become our own. Rejoice with those who rejoice, writes Paul 
Weep with those who weep. Again, Romans 12, 15. Our small groups, men's and women's groups, fellowship time, shepherding groups, and prayer lists and prayer times all help us be brothers and sisters. And don't forget our brothers and sisters include our pastors and wives and children. So love them well too. Okay, that's love. Now, what about when there are challenges? What about conflicts? There are always, they're always gonna exist. Elder Alex, Alexander Strouch notes, one of the most important principles to guide when engaged in conflict of any kind is found in Galatians. When conflict arises, our attitudes and behaviors should reflect our new life in Christ given by the Holy Spirit who lives within us. We are to display the fruit of the Spirit, not the works of the flesh. We are to be spirit-controlled and not flesh-controlled or out of control. Easily said, hard to do, right? Because we all fall short. Our Book of Church Order has a great appendix, appendix I on biblical conflict resolution. It states, Biblical peacemaking is one of God's highest priorities. It must be one of our highest priorities. One of the most powerful ways that we can encourage reconciliation with God is to model reconciliation among people. When others see us resolve our differences in a loving and biblical manner, they are inclined to give more weight to what we say about the Lord. On the other hand, when they see Christians embroiled in disputes, they tend to write off God's people as hypocrites and dismiss the claims of Christ. We already mentioned we admonish one another. And finally, we can overlook offenses. Proverbs, Proverbs 19.11 tells us, good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. But remember, if you overlook an offense, forgive 77 times. Don't hold grudges. In closing, I want to give two more illustrations. The first is how the Lord brought me and us a new sister in Christ, someone who came to our church door many years ago homeless with a well-founded fear of persecution that led to being granted asylum. The Lord showed me and us, how our sisters' joys and sorrows become our own. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Like when we witnessed delays and challenges, when I sat with her in a difficult, long day in an asylum interview, helping present the case, and when we all rejoiced when the approval came in the mail. The second is the Sanctuary Refresh Committee. As Paul points out, the church, being like the human body that consists of many different members working together, the committee has an incredible group of members with unique talents. But I've observed that we've also been acting together as well as brothers and sisters, like responding to one another with love, forgiving one another, and being patient with one another. Let's look forward to working with one another as brothers and sisters in Christ as we celebrate our 40th year. 
Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for the forgiveness of Christ and the love of Christ and for making us brothers and sisters. Help us by your Holy Spirit to apply what you have taught us and help us, Lord, to reach those who are lonely and isolated and lack connection, especially, Lord, those who lack connection with you as Lord and Savior. Amen.